So through this series, we've been asking a really important question. How would someone in my situation respond if they completely trusted God? We've been talking about the story of Joseph in his life, being his father's favorite, sold by his brothers into slavery, and then finding himself in the house of a prominent Egyptian official named Potiphar. And we asked the question, how would I or someone in my situation respond if they completely trusted God? Because it is a question, I think, that, that it centers around Joseph's life. If you were in Joseph's situation with Joseph's circumstances where Joseph finds himself, how would you respond? Because all of us have been in situations like Joseph where we have gotten the short end of the stick, where we felt betrayed, we felt slighted, we felt forgotten. And we find ourselves in those positions, and we're forced to make some really difficult choices about what our next step looks like. And so many times we find ourselves in the position of taking that next step, and we're not real sure what to do. What does it look like to be faithful to God in this moment? So how would someone in my circumstances, with my family, with my children, with my job, with my debt, how would they respond if they found themselves in my circumstances, if they completely trusted God? And so we're going to pick up in the story of Joseph, and this is part of the story that we've already kind of looked at, but I want to go back and dig a little bit deeper into a really important part of this story because I think it's one that speaks so powerfully to us today, 2018. It's in chapter 39 of Genesis, and we're going to start in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, And that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And from the time he put him in charge of his household... And all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. And with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. See, Joseph is given, I think, the greatest temptation in the history of the world. The greatest temptation that you could ever possibly have to face at this moment of the story. He's given position, he's given power, And he's given prominence. He he is taken from a place of uncertainty 
And he's given position, he's given power, and he's given prominence. And Potiphar puts him over everything that he has. Everything in Potiphar's world has been entrusted to Joseph, and he doesn't concern himself with anything that's in Joseph's care except for the food he eats. The greatest temptation you will ever face is when you find yourself in a position of power and prominence where you have authority. And in this position, there's no one looking over Joseph's shoulder saying, hey, are you sure you want to do that? Hey, do you think that's the right decision? Hey, do you think you should really make that choice right there? There's no one watching. Potiphar is not concerned with what Joseph is doing, and he's elevated him to this place of authority, and he's given him charge over everything that he has. See, here's the the truth that you need to understand. When you have power and position and prominence, your greatest temptation will always be to misuse your position, your power, and your prominence for self. Your greatest temptation will always be to take the power, take the position, and leverage it for yourself. That I'm in a position where I can do what I want and no one else will ever know. I'm in a position where I can do whatever I want and no one has to know about it. If I tell a little lie, it doesn't matter. If I cheat the books just a little, no one knows. If I have an affair, no one will ever know. I'm in a position of power and prominence and no one's watching me. And the greatest temptation you will ever face is the temptation to leverage that position for what you want. And the reason the temptation is so great, and the reason it's so important, because in doing so, you always will use and abuse people beneath you. Oh, it's not a big deal. No one will ever know except the people beneath you who you are leveraging with your position, with your power, and with your prominence to get what you want. Now, take a note from our society, from our culture, because you see it everywhere. One of the things we've seen so prominent here recently is this Me Too movement, where people... Females are coming out and saying, I've been sexually abused, I've been molested, I've been raped by someone in a position of power and authority. And you see it coming from politicians and CEOs and athletes and artists. You see it coming from preachers and ministers and priests. 
You see it coming from people who are in places of power and authority, and they're abusing and using their position and their prominence to abuse other people. You see it in the financial corruption that's everywhere, whether it's Enron or Bernie Madoff or even going back to things like the housing market collapse from 2008. You saw people who had these prominent positions where they had authority, where they had power, and they thought their decisions in that place did not affect anyone else but them. Because I can take what I have, I can take my position, I can leverage it to make my name great. I can take my position and I can leverage it to get what I want. And Joseph in this circumstance has complete possibility. Every decision he could want to make is open to him because Potiphar's not concerned with him. Potiphar takes him from the place of a slave and he puts him in charge of everything in his house and he doesn't watch over his shoulder. And every day, see this temptation is not new. It's just every day you see it popping up in the news. You cannot turn on the news today and see a segment that's 30 minutes long and not see someone who has abused their position, their power, or their prominence to hurt someone else. See, this is not, the Me Too thing is not about women's rights or women's roles. It's just simply about respecting someone. Being in a position of prominence does not give you the authority to abuse or misuse anyone. Jesus was constantly dealing with people who were jockeying for position. And in fact, there was one point when a mom comes up to Jesus and says, Hey, my sons need to be the greatest in your kingdom. My sons are special. They're more special than everyone else. Because Things were different back then than they are now. And they come to Jesus. In verse 23, Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but no, but to sit at my right or to my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, your position, your power, your prominence gives you one right. It's to serve the people beneath you. It gives you one possibility. 
Jesus said, do you want to know what it looks like to have position? Do you want to know what it looks like to have power and prominence and authority? Do you want to know what that's supposed to look like? It looks like someone who serves those who are beneath them. If you are given position, power, and prominence, your role has now become to serve those who are beneath you and not leverage your power, your position, your prominence for your own good, but to place those above you in higher regard. And so we go back to the story of Joseph, where Joseph is given everything. Verse 6, So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care, And with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her. My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything He owns. He is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Listen to that last verse one more time. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Joseph is in a place of prominence. He has authority He can do whatever he wants in this kingdom. I want you to appreciate his position. And then it says, day after day, she keeps coming to him. Come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. And day after day, he can continually puts her off. He continually refuses to be with her. And and what's amazing in this story is Joseph is concerned. His greatest concern is not committing adultery. His greatest concern is violating the trust and responsibility of his position with his master. Now, the sex side of it, the adultery side, is a really important thing. But, but remember, at this point, there are no Ten Commandments. God has not met with Moses yet and said, Okay, listen, thou shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not covet your, wife, your, your neighbor's wife. Hadn't happened yet. But something in Joseph tells him that this is wrong. Because she is married to my master. Not not only is it a sin to go to bed with her because the adultery side, 
but because doing so would violate the trust and the responsibility of my position. See, I, I think Joseph had this really strong awareness that God had placed him in this position. And his ultimate authority was not just his master, but it was God. And that because he was responsible to God, he would be responsible to his master. And you think, well, well, that's not even fair. He got to this position because his brothers sold him out. He was a slave. He was a servant. He shouldn't even be there. Why in the world would he submit to their authority? Why in the world would he be obedient in those circumstances? He shouldn't be there. This is not fair. But Joseph's greatest concern is not his last step that led him to this point. It was the next step that he would take in obedience to God. In the circumstances I find myself in, in my situation, what would my next step be if I completely trusted God? If I completely trusted that God's the ultimate authority, I'm going to put myself under someone else's authority and be obedient. Paul talks to the Romans about this. And he wants them to grasp how important this is. And he begins, 13, he says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. But this authority is not right. He's under this authority because of his brothers. He's under this authority because he was sold into slavery. See, I've noticed a couple of things about authority. We're usually okay with authority two two times. One, when we are in the position of authority. And two, when the authority lines up with what we want. When the authority is going the direction we think it should go, then we're okay. But there's this tendency in our world, and it's nothing new. But if we don't agree, if we disagree, then we're going to disregard. If we disagree with the direction, then we're going to disregard the authority. No place, no place do you see it more prominent than if you turn on the news channels. No place you see it more obvious than in our political climate today. Well, if we don't agree with it, we're going to disregard. We're we're not going to listen to it. See, we do have a responsibility when authority is going the wrong direction that's opposed to God to stand up. But I think the things that God would say, I want you to stand up to, 
or neglect and abuse of power. And he would want you to side with the widow and the orphan and the poor and the oppressed. If you're going to stand up, stand up there. But most of the time what we want to stand up to is when it affects us. But I think one of the things Jesus' kingdom, when he comes and says, my kingdom's going to be different than the rest of this world, he says, I want you to stand up with those who can't stand up for themselves. I, I want you to leverage your power and your position and your prominence for those who don't have a voice. I, I want you to stand up for those who are abused and neglected and mistreated. That's what my kingdom is going to look like. It's going to look like something different than the rest of the world. It's going to look like something different than every other kingdom and every other empire that's ever been. And that is the part, that is the kingdom that we have pledged our allegiance to. That is the kingdom that we're committed to. That is the kingdom that we're giving our life for. For Joseph, this temptation is so real. It's so real being sold into slavery. And he finds himself in a place where he begins to climb. And he gets more and more power because he's handling well what he's been handed. Potiphar keeps handing him more authority and more power. And Joseph's handling it well. And so Potiphar gives him more until he gets to this place where he's in charge of everything. And Potiphar's not looking over his shoulder. And he's not checking in on him. And the whole time, Potiphar's wife keeps coming up to Joseph, saying, hey, come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. Come to bed. Day after day. And he keeps refusing her and refusing to even be with her. He has free reign. But he understands how important it is what he's doing. I mean, how easy would it be to rationalize the situation? I deserve this. After slavery, after all that I've been through, we can even rationalize it and say, well, maybe God is just giving it to me. It's no big deal. No one will ever know. It's not going to hurt anyone else but me. He's got the position. He can leverage it however he wants. And he refuses to do it. Because I think Joseph understands that our response to authority is a spiritual issue. Our response to authority is a spiritual issue. It affects who we are, and it affects men. It affects what our kids see in us. It affects the way the future generation is going to see the world. And we ask that question, how, how would I respond if I were in Joseph's situation? And it says, one day... He went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. 
She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hands and ran out of the house. She finally grabs a hold of him and said, This is it. This is it. And Joseph's response is to run. See, here's here's the problem for so many of us is that we don't run from it. That we stand around and we assume that it won't hurt us. Several years ago in West Texas, medical personnel started to report that there was an un, unlikely rise in rattlesnake bites, that more and more people were getting bitten by rattlesnakes. And as scientists started to look into this and see what was causing the rise, they also noticed there was a spike in the population of wild hogs. And it turns out the favorite meal of a wild hog is rattlesnake. And so rattlesnakes had developed over time this tendency to not rattle their tail before they strike. Because everyone knows when you're walking up on a rattlesnake, you're going to know it's there because it's going to start rattling its tail. But because of the wild hog population growing, the rattlesnakes had stopped rattling to signal that they were going to strike. And people, time after time, kept walking up on these rattlesnakes and reporting they got bit and they never once heard the snake rattle. Because it was possible to be around something that was so dangerous that you didn't know it was there until it was too late. Our society has done that with sex. That it has become so prominent and so center stage that we're so used to it that we don't even notice that it's there anymore. And we get comfortable with it and we're around it And we think there's nothing that's going to happen until it's too late. Until it's too late. I cannot tell you how many people I have talked to, how many stories I have heard of people that would say, it will never be me. That could never happen to me. I would never make that mistake. Let me just remind you that Samson was the strongest man in the Bible, and sex got him. Solomon was the wisest man in the Bible, and sex got him. David was the most spiritual man in the Bible, and sex got him. I don't care how strong you are, I don't care how wise you are. I don't care how spiritual you are. If you let your guard down, sex will get you. And Joseph finds himself in a position where he can use, he can leverage his power and his position and his authority for whatever he wants, and no one has to know. And he finds himself in that position, and he runs from it. He gets away from it. 
But understand, in this story, sex is simply a stand-in. You can put anything in its place, whether it's financial or whether it's lying, whether it's abusing someone. You can put anything in its place and the story still works. Joseph Potiphar's bookkeeper comes to Joseph and says, hey, I'm going to give you a little kickback and I'm going to give me a little kickback and no one has to know and the story still works. All you have to do is leverage your power, leverage your position for yourself. And it won't affect anyone but you. See, we know how the story ends. Joseph does what David could not. Joseph resists. Joseph says no. Joseph runs the other direction. And in the end, Joseph finds himself in prison for doing what is right. And you've got to ask yourself the question, do you ever think in, in the prison cell that Joseph's sitting there thinking, man, what if I had just done what she wanted? What if I had just given in? If I could go back and do it, could I do it better? And I think what you find in this story is a man who is so focused on his next step that he's constantly able to forget his last one. We spend so much time looking back over our shoulder at what has happened that most of the time we're blindsided by what is happening. Joseph's focus is his next step. Because here's the deal with your last step. There is nothing you can do to change it, to take it back, or to reverse it. Wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with, is the situation now. It's where you are, and you cannot change it. No apology will bring that person back. No one can make it right. No one can take it away. The only thing you can affect is what your next step will be. What does it look like for me to faithfully follow Jesus regardless of my circumstances? What does it mean to be a man or a woman of impeccable character? See, character is what happens when no one else can see. It, it's not what happens when you're in the spotlight. It happens when you're off in the margins, when you're in the shadows. And no one else has any idea what's going on. That is character. And Joseph says, I am committed to be a man of character. And I'm going to be obedient to God with my next step and my next step and my next step. Maybe that's why Jesus comes to his disciples and says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is going to worry about itself. Just worry about today. 
Worry about what that next step is today because that's the only thing you can affect. Worry about the next step and what the next step looks like today. See, because ultimately, this is simply about satisfying our heart. Ultimately, it's our desire to find something that will fill us. Something that will make us feel better about ourselves. Something that will make us feel complete. And Jesus' invitation to people is constantly, come to me. Come to me and I'm going to fill you up. Come to me and I'm going to be enough. Come to me and trust me regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in. And follow me faithfully and I will be with you. I may not pull you out of prison. I might not take you out of Potiphar's house. I might not completely give you everything you want. But I promise I will be with you. I will be with you calling you to take that next step in faith. I will be there calling you to leverage your position and your power and your prominence for people who are below you for people who don't have a voice, for the poor and the oppressed, because my kingdom is going to be different than every other kingdom on the face of the earth. See, dads, let me talk to you just a second. Our world discounts dads. And they make us think they're stupid and they don't matter and they're incompetent. But we need as a nation godly men of character who will stand up and be the fathers in their home first and be an example to the world around them of what a true man of God looks like. We need you so badly and you get tired, and you get discouraged, and you get run down, and everyone says, we don't need it. It doesn't matter. It does. You matter. And every one of you are a hero to me because I get to see you love your adult children who are tough to love, to care for your your children and encourage me when I've had enough of mine. We need you. This world needs you. And I promise you, if you will be faithful in your next step, Jesus will use you to radically impact His kingdom in this world forever. Father, today, we pray your blessing over dads. Father, we pray for your power and your authority in our life. And Father, our submission to you that whatever position, whatever power, whatever prominence we would have, we would use that, Father, for your glory. That we would submit it all to you to serve others as you have served us. Father, may our life look like and reflect Jesus every single day. And Father, may we know deep, deep in our hearts, deep in our bones, that there is nothing in this world that can satisfy us but the love of Jesus. And Father, may we today completely trust you. We pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. I want to invite our shepherds, as we all stand, I want to invite our shepherds to go ahead and head towards the back. Um, If you've never given your life to Christ, submitted to Him, we offer you that invitation this morning. If we could pray for you in any way, whatever that is. We're going to have shepherds, ministry staffs around the auditorium, um, in the gathering as well. Whatever you need, come while we stand and sing.